As said this afternoon, my preach you the gospel, as we have summarized and confessed it in Lord's Day 39 about the fifth commandment. And it is for these reasons that we read two passages from Scripture. We start in the Epistle of Paul to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, and we'll read the verses 1 to 9. And then we will continue our reading of Scripture in the book of Genesis, Genesis 2, verse 21 to 24. But first, Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Let's then turn to Genesis 2, and we read the verses 21 to 24. That was after Adam came to the conclusion that he had no partner, that he was on his own. And then we read, verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Till so far the reading of Scripture, let's then read together Lord's Day, 39, you can find it on page 555 of your book of praise. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. 
In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, Psalm 103, the verses 5, 6, and 7. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, honor your father and your mother. And these well-known words from the fifth commandments seem to take a lot for granted. First, they presuppose that you know who your parents are. And second, they assume that you know them well enough to appreciate their significance, and that you like them. And finally, the fifth commandment implies that you have the opportunity to honor them and to pay them respect. But there are those who may not know their father or mother, or who have become so embittered against their parents who blame them for everything that has gone wrong in their lives, that they frankly do not appreciate them. And yet, the Lord gives a rule applicable to all situations. He doesn't ask whether you like your parents or feel comfortable with someone who is in authority over you. When you are born, we enter a world of authority. And our first introduction is to our parents. Clearly, if this relationship goes wrong, then our society goes wrong. And this is precisely what we have, why we have a society today that is violent and disobedient. Disobedience in the home leads to a despising of authority in all its forms. The reverse is true as well. Obedience in the home leads to respect for old age, respect for civil authorities, respect even for office bearers. And this afternoon we are going to look at the fifth commandment, the commandment about honoring our parents. And as we listen to this command, to honor our parents, we are trying to go to answer three questions. What does it mean to honor our parents? Are there any limits to parental honor? And why does God think parental honor is so important? And therefore, I summarize the message of the fifth commandment in this way. In the fifth commandment, the Lord shows us that he governs us by way of those in authority over us. And we look at the meaning of the fifth commandment, the limits of the fifth commandment, and the importance of the fifth commandment. To say it again, 
In the fifth commandment, the Lord shows us that he governs us by way of those in authority over us. The meaning, the limits, and the importance of the fifth commandment. You might remember that the Ten Commandments divide into two natural groupings. The first three commandments deal with our love for God, giving us a specific, tangible way for us to express our love for God. The last six commandments deal with our love for other people, giving specific, tangible ways for us to show God's love for others. And in between these two parts, you have the transitional fourth commandment where the love for God comes into effect in the love for our neighbor. Well, the fifth commandment shows us how love for others work in the parent-child relationship. Let's look at this commandment together. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land your God is giving you. Now, in the context, this commandment, like the other nine commandments, is addressed to adults. Obviously, it applies to children of any age, but the context suggests that adult children of parents are in view here. In the context of the nation of Israel, the way God's special covenant relationship with Israel was passed on from generation to generation was through the family. It was the responsibility of the mom and the dad to teach their children about who God was and what it meant to follow God. And if the parents failed in this task, then the children wouldn't honor Israel's special covenant relationship with God. And life in the promised land would fail, fall apart. In the New Testament, the link to the younger generation is more obvious. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Ephesians 6. And here the children are addressed specifically. Although in Deuteronomy the fifth commandment was addressed to adults, but applied equally to children, here the children are addressed directly. And here the children are told to obey their parents. And this word obey carries the idea of both an action and an attitude. On the one hand, this word focuses on the action of obedience. That children are to do that which their parents tell them to do. But the word also emphasizes the attitude a child should obey with, that they are to listen attentively to their parents. So to obey here is not just to do what your parents say, but to listen attentively to what they say. Now when we tell a child to do something, 
the usual response we get is, why? Well, Paul anticipated that why. But rather than saying, because I'm an apostle and I say so, Paul gives several reasons why children need to obey their parents. One reason comes from that phrase, in the Lord. Obedience to parents isn't just because the parents are bigger than children, but because obedience to parents is part of a child's devotion to Jesus Christ. They have to be obedient to the parent because of Jesus Christ. Another reason is simply because it is right to obey parents. This is one thing the entire ancient world agreed on, whether it was Roman, Jewish, or Christians. They all agreed that it was fitting and proper for children to obey their parents. Another reason is because such obedience is biblical. And here is where Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Finally, Paul says that it is to a child's best interest to obey mom and dad, that there is a promise connected to obeying the fifth commandment. What does it mean to honor our parents? We honor our parents by respecting the role God has given them in our lives. Every time we see our belly button in the mirror, it should remind us of the fact that we didn't just turn up someday. Life is a gift. And we were purposely entrusted to some specific people, our parents. Someone had to change our nappies, feed us, carry us around, and make sure we go to bed on time. And as someone once said, no wonder some of, two of us despise our parents, for they are a visible, ever-present reminder that we were created. And obstruction to the parents' authority always is hatred against God who created us and gave us that particular set of parents. And of course, our parents' role in our lives is a changing role. How we honor our parents depends on how old we are. As children, we honor our parents by obeying their instructions. The primary role of a parent is not to make their kids happy. The most important role of the parents is not to give their children a great career. They have to equip their children for a meaningful life in the kingdom of God. And as it may be clear, this equipping has spiritual, social, economic, and educational dimensions. And because of this, a parent is a teacher providing instruction about what it means to live life. How to succeed in school. How to be a friend. How to follow through on a responsibility and so, and so forth. No one is more important in a child's life in this area than mom and dad. 
And we all know that it is a child's temptation to rebel against the instruction of his or her parents. Therefore, for a child which goes from birth, so to say, 18 years old, the way we honor the role God has given our parents is by obeying their instructions. And as young adults, we honor our parents by appreciating their contributions. When we hit the later teen years, our temptation is not so much to rebel as it is to dismiss our parents. We start to think that they don't know much, that they are naive, out of touch with the real world. Mark Twain says, that when he was a teenager, he was amazed at how unintelligent his father was. But by the time he turned 21, he was amazed at how much his father had learned in such a short time. As we launch into adulthood, we honor our parents by carefully weighing their advice, by listening attentively to their ideas, even if we end up deciding otherwise. Some of the key areas here are commitment to the Lord, involvement in church, seeking further education or work, choosing a spouse. And every time we are tempted to dismiss our parents, we should take a long, hard look at our belly button. They were given by God. And finally, as mature adults, we honor our parents by caring for their needs. Now, there is a biblical principle in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, that children shouldn't have to save up money to take care of their parents, but parents are to do that for their children. That principle simply says that wise parents should be a good stewards of their resources so that they don't have to financially burden their children when they get older. There's a biblical principle. But that principle is balanced by this one, that part of our honor for our parents is caring for their needs as they age. Our temptation in this phase of life is this phase of life is to neglect our parents, to call them less and less frequently, to think about what they need less and less. And don't be mistaken, caring for our parents' need has financial implications. It doesn't necessarily mean bringing our parents into our homes when they can't care for themselves anymore although it can mean that. But it certainly means making sure their needs are taken care of. It also means keeping in touch, keeping our parents connected to our family, and so forth. And how a person does this will depend largely on their circumstances. But the principle remains to care for our parents' needs. And that not only for our own parents, but because of the structure of the church as a covenant community, it implies the care for all the elderly in the congregation, 
There's also our contribution to Fairhaven Association, for instance, to mention one of the most obvious things in our situation. And of course, in order to receive honor, parents also need to be honorable. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, Obey your parents to the children. But after that, he says, in my free translation, parents, don't drive your children nuts. He means that we as parents have a sense of divine accountability and responsibility. We must take our parenting so seriously before God that our children will know that we as their parents are determined to be the parents God ordained us to be. And it is true. When we as parents behave honorably, our children find it easy to honor them. And this brings us to the second thought. Are there limits to parental honor? For I can imagine at this point that some people are thinking, Rev, you just don't know my parents. You don't understand how hurtful they, can, they were and how lucky I was to escape when I did. And this brings up the question as to whether there are any, whether there are any limits to parental honor. Is this command absolute or are there other principles and commands in the Bible that temper it? Well, there are at least two limits to parental honor in the Bible. The first limit comes from Genesis 2.24, which says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we usually understand this first to mean that when a boy gets married, he moves out of his parents' house and sets up his own household. The problem with that interpretation is that simply is not what usually happened in the ancient world. It is certainly true that a wife moved out of her parents' home in Israel. But back then, the husband usually continued to live under his parents' roof, or at least on their property, along with his wife and any children they received. Only very rarely did the man actually move out of mother's and father's households. So something else is being referred here to. And our clue comes from that word translated leave. And this Hebrew word is very strong, often being translated as forsake, leave behind. It is used more than 100 times in the Bible for breaking a special covenant relationship, thereby ending that covenant relationship. So instead of describing a man's moving out of the house of his parents, this leaving describes a man ending the covenant relationship he had with his mom and dad. And that word hold fast here means to stick to, to cling to, to cleave. 
And this word is often used to describe establishing and maintaining a special covenant relationship with someone. It describes a state of loyalty, affection, a state of intimacy. This holding fast together results in the man and woman being one flesh. And therefore, this passage is teaching that when a person gets married, he's ending one covenant relationship and establishing another covenant relationship. It would be like changing citizenship from one country to another, although you might still have a relationship with your previous country. Your loyalty is now pledged to your new country. Marriage radically redefines a person's relationship with his or her mom and dad. And the other limitation to parental authority is found when Peter and John tell the religious leaders of their day in Acts 4 whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Apparently, there are times when a legitimate authority figure in our lives might command us to do something that would be displeasing to God. And there are times when a parent's will could come in conflict with God's will. And for a covenant child living in that special relationship with God, the follower of Jesus Christ, obedience to God's will must take priority. And this occurs in rare cases when a parent commands a child to do something explicitly forbidden in the Bible. Sometimes it are small things. Parents, for instance, who force a child to say on the phone that the parent involved is not at home or it is more difficult for many of us to imagine But some parents tell their kids to do evil things. And in that case, a child is under no obligation to obey that command. From these two verses, we find the limits to parental honor. We must only honor our parents in ways that also honor God. In our Christian life, there is a ladder of priorities and allegiance to to Jesus Christ is the top rung on the ladder. If we are married, then our commitment to our spouse and our children are the second rung on the ladder. Then comes our commitment to our mom and dad. And this is what the Lord Jesus meant when he said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And don't forget the Christian author C.S. Lewis has suggested that when we learn to love God above all our human relationships, we learn to love those who care about the most even better. But when we put our love for those who care about before our love for God, we will eventually find ourselves no longer loving those who care about the most. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increase. But you as God's child, 
There is no higher love and loyalty than God's. And honor and respect for parents and others in authority will follow. And this leads us to our final question of why honoring our parents is such a big deal to God. In our fragmented culture, parental honor seems archaic. But according to the Bible, the parent-child relationship is the most basic foundation for society. From the parent-child relationship, we learn how to relate to people. Reformer Martin Luther once said, Out of the authority of parents, all other authorities is derived and developed. And this is true. And it is why the church down through the centuries has recognized that the fifth commandment is really a principle about our attitude towards authority in general. The Albert Catechism says that I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. The fifth commandment is using parental authority as a paradigm for how we honor all authority in our lives. Romans 13, 7 tells us about how we should respond to authority in our lives. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to taxes are owned. Revenue to whom revenue is owned. Respect to whom respect is owned. Honor to whom honor is owned. We as God's children and followers of Jesus Christ owe respect and honor to those in various authority relationships to us. These include the government, the office bearers, the civil servants, employers, teachers, and so on. Why is honoring our parents so important? Parental honor lays the foundation for our attitude towards all authority figures. If we don't learn the fifth commandment, then we are going to have no foundation for the rest of the authority relationships in our lives. From the fifth commandment we learn how to relate to our boss, how to relate to our teachers, to our government, and so forth. We often think that an authority figure has to earn the right to be honored. And if we find an authority figure who is imperfect or make mistakes, we think that we have been let off the hook. But according to the Bible, that is not true. We are still bound to honor authority in our lives, even when that authority is imperfect. You see? Imperfect authority is always preferable to anarchy, where everyone does their own thing. So although there are definite limits to how much honor we are to give to authority figures in our lives, we are not let off the, book, uh, off the hook if they are imperfect. Without authority, relationships in our society would fall apart. The way we relate to 
empires, pastors, police officers, our prime minister or premier, teachers and bosses is natural outgrowth of the way we relate to our parents. And if you are a parent, how do you get your children to live by the fifth commandment? If you haven't noticed, just quoting the fifth commandments to your children usually doesn't result in instant respect. The way our children learn about honoring us is by watching how we respond to authority figures in our own lives. Perhaps the primary way to teach our children about honor is how we respect our own parents. If we are constantly bad-mouthing our parents in front of our kids, we are showing them how they should relate to us when they are grown up. We also model pro proper respect for authorities in how we act towards umpires and referees in sports. If you are constantly questioning an empire's call, muttering derogatory statements under our breath, or even being asked to leave the field that is teaching our kids how to respond to our authority, we model proper respect for authority in how we respond to the pastors and elders in our lives. People who at the coffee table badmouth their pastor in front of their kids are teaching their kids how to respond to authority in their lives. We model proper respect for authority in how we respond to the police. You can be absolutely amazed at how disrespectful kids can be to police officers. But when you see how parents can respond to the police... you realize the children are just imitating what they see dad and mom do. If we are rude to the police officer when he or she pulls us over, our kids see that, and that lays the foundation for their response to authority. We model proper respect for authority in how we respond to our natural leaders. If our kids hear say bad statements about our prime minister or premier, no matter how much they might deserve them, that affects the way our children respond to authority. Our own lack of authority for natural leaders is raising a generation of cynical, apathetic adults who wonder why they should even vote. We model proper respect for authority in the way we respond to teachers. We model proper respect in how we respond to our bosses. So whenever we respond to an authority figure in front of our children, we are teaching them how to live by the fifth commandment. And everything comes down to this. God has established the relationship of authority in our lives. And we express our devotion to God by honoring the people over us. Now maybe you feel like it is too late for you 
that too much time has gone by, that you have failed in this area too many times. But it's not too late. It is never too late to start living by God's plan for authority in our lives. And when we make that start, no matter how late in life it is, we begin to experience the promise of the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment alone reduces everyone to the level of a serious sinner. None of us has consistently honored our parents. And this is why the law always leads to the gospel. It always takes us to the place of forgiveness and renewal called Golgotha, where everyone who has broken the fifth commandment can find new life through the Savior who was obedient to his parents and the authorities to such an extent that he died for those who break the law of God. And not only does he take away the past, but he gives a new life and new strength to be obedient in the future, to be more honoring of our parents and more worthy of the honor of our children. And his word provides us with the only model that can give our children a home to enjoy and a father and a mother to honor and a society where we can pay respect to all in authority. Amen.